And I um, personally am going to try to go to that one. They also have lots of other trainings that you can go to as well. Um, And then there, of course, is Maria Shriver's uh, Move for Minds, which is happening uh, throughout June in various cities. And if you haven't checked that out, please go to her main website, the Women's Alzheimer's Movement Organization, because there you will find all kinds of of different information, but you'll be able to get to the Move for Minds events as well. And the last I'm going to um, mention is the Roberto app, which is a resource um, that measures your brain function, and it's, it's they do that through video interaction, and it is really cool, and it is very helpful. And you can just go to my site, alzheimerspeaks.com, and you'll see a big tab for them on the right-hand side. Go ahead and click on that, and you'll see that there's a little um, promo code, too, so you can get an extended free trial of that. So with no further ado, I am going to go ahead and introduce our guest today, who I am very excited to have on our show. Uh, She's been with us uh, prior, and we are going to be talking about long-distance caregiving, both the struggles and the gifts um, wrapped in that journey. Lisa Hirsch, like many, um, has a mother who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease, and their 14-year journey with illness transformed their relationship. And so she's going to talk about that today. Her love and admiration for her mother grew each and every day as she listened listened and watched her mother become her true hero. So um, welcome, Lisa. I am just so thrilled to have you on the show today. How are you? I'm great, Lori, and I feel honored to be a guest on your show because I have such admiration and respect for you. So thank you for everything that you do to bring awareness to this disease. Um, Thank you. Yeah, well, I I was lucky enough to meet Lisa when I was out in New York, and um, she was so gracious, invited me into her home, and we just had a wonderful conversation. And she um, just has this true open heart and and is just full of compassion and love and, and really purpose for the cause. And so I think our... Our souls kind of ignited together there, um, walking hand in hand and trying to trying to improve this world and make life easier for everyone with dementia. Um, now, Lisa, as I said in your intro, your mom um, has dementia, and and you guys have been on this 14-year journey um, with that. Is there anything right now that you'd like to give as a little bit of background? Uh, to our audience about your relationship with your mom um, before sure. she got Alzheimer's, and okay, yeah, it's it's there is a silver lining. Um, so my mother and I, um, my mother, I loved her. She's my mother, and we fought, we clashed, um, maybe in a strange way because some ways we might have been similar, um, and. I loved her, but Lori, I might have wanted your mother to be my mother. Growing up, um, I had a really dear friend who I wanted her mother to be my mother. And so our relationship, we were close. We were then distant, uh, mother-daughter. I mean, I always thought mothers and daughters were so close and like best friends, which is what I would thought I would see around me. And since then, I've actually learned there are... Uh, other women out there like myself that have uh, relationships with their mother that are not um, mother is their best friend, which I kind of thought everyone was like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyway, after and through actually, this is kind of interesting. So tomorrow's my would have been my dad's birthday, and my mom is 93 now, and he would have been 96. Um, so it's kind of apropos that we're talking today because I was daddy's little girl. And um, I'm glad, though, that my father wasn't alive. He died about 26 years ago, so he didn't see uh, what is going on with my mother. Um, but regardless of any of that, um, after my mother became ill, and she was still living at home and functioning, um, there was a major shift for us. 
um, in our relationship or, or for me. I don't know that she ever changed or anything really was different for her, but out of that, um, I just um, fell in love with her. Um, while my father was ill and dying, it took nine years, but he had a horrible death. I mean, nine months. Um, I flew down. She lived in Florida, which she still does. And there were always some good times with her um, that we would bond with each other. But then we'd go back to our old ways. Mm-hmm. So the relationship, um, after she got ill, and, and you know, some people I have heard with, with the disease become um, angry or depressed, um, act out. And in my mom's case, she became sweeter. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, she, I, I said she became like a Buddha. She would say things that were so inspiring, and I don't remember her being like that growing up in my teen years or even when I first got married in my early years. So our relationship just changed, or for me, um, my relationship with her just totally transformed. Um, and like I said, I fell in love with her unconditionally. Mm, that's beautiful. It's, uh, you know, everybody's relationship, like you said, is a little bit different and so it's uh it's it's nice when you hear those stories when sometimes people's personalities do change with dementia and when you've had a, a road that's not been um so nice to hoe and then all of a sudden um you know you you just get this gift through illness it's it's nice that you can accept that some people don't some people are still angry that they didn't have maybe a relationship um, growing up that they wanted, but you were you were able to look beyond that, so that's beautiful. Um, I wanted to ask you, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say to you, so I spent many years in um, a support group with adult children mm-hmm. who had a parent, and there were a lot of women in the group, didn't have to be, and mm-hmm. some of them became really upset and angry that they lost their best friend, the opposite that their mm-hmm. mother was their best friend, that their mother was there if they became a single parent or um, whatever things went on in their life, the first person they wanted to speak to about anything, challenges, uh, problems, something happy would be their mother. And mm-hmm. then they felt that they did not have that relationship. So for them there was a loss. And mm-hmm. it's it's kind of interesting. And for me there was a gain of wanting to be with my mother more and speak to my mother more. Mhm. Interesting. Yeah, everybody's journey is just a just a hair different and we really have to appreciate and uh, and accept that. Um and understand that. Um for you, you know, you were in New York and I believe your mom's down in Florida. Is that yes. correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my so, brother lives so, my brother lives near her, so there is a there is a uh family member there. But yes, okay. we're, I'm in New York, she's Florida. Okay. So you're what we call a long-distance um, caregiver or care partner or care companion, whatever verbiage uh, you're, you know, people in our audience are using. What was that like for you, or what is that like, because the journey is still going on for you, um, to, to not be able to be there all the time? Uh, I went through... Many well, first, let me say this i I tried to get my mother to move back to New York, and she was not willing and at the time, she certainly you know she had the disease, but she certainly was we'd say independent, she was still living at home, she didn't even mm-hmm. have any caregivers in the beginning, you know outside help um and she said, "I don't want to leave Florida, it's my home." And this mm-hmm. is where I want to be. At the time when we felt, then we did get caregivers, um, different shifts, and then 12 hours, and then when she needed 24, we felt. Um, and I did go to look at nursing homes in New York, um, which was very difficult um, trying to get in here. Um mm-hmm. 
established most of the nursing homes, which is pretty much probably in every state, uh, they only wanted her in, in, in a dementia ward, um, and mm-hmm. they didn't have beds. I, I am actually still on a waiting list, and my mother's been in a nursing home for four years. Um, because wow. until a bed, we know that people live a lot longer with the disease, and so beds don't open, and they don't have, it's, the facilities, uh, it's not like they have floors of dementia units. Mm-hmm. So it was it was really hard for me to bring her here if at that point uh, it would have been, we'd have to, you know, medicate her to get her on a plane, and she wouldn't have really known the difference, but I couldn't even get her in anything. Um, Mm -hmm. I went through a lot of emotions about that and feelings, and again, in my support group, which was very helpful, the support leader who, you can't become a support leader uh, in the group to lead a group unless you have had a parent that had the disease and passed away with it within two after two years of your mourning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was really brought, or she felt, uh, that it was more what I wanted and maybe not necessarily best for my mother. My mother used to mm-hmm. being in Florida for the warm weather all those years. Was she going to be here? They could take her outside more. Here it's colder. You know, was it was it me being for my selfish needs? Mm-hmm. So when 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 it was when it was analyzed and discussed with my brother, my brother lives near her. Um, we decided, my brother, myself, she couldn't really be included in the decision, um, not capable of, is that it would be best to leave her there. And mm-hmm. I think whether she was here or there, I think there's a lot of guilt that can arise in in a, a child, especially I'm speaking for myself, of putting a parent in a nursing home, especially mm-hmm. when you knew their wish was never to go in a nursing home. So mm-hmm. I had that to deal with, along with then the long distance, but I used to, and I'm going to say used to, I would fly down every six to 12 weeks and see her. Mm-hmm. Um and every time that I went, it was very difficult. Um, I'd be so upset going to see her, and then I'd be even more upset when I left her. Um, but as a long-distance caregiver, um, and it's not because I'm a female and my brother's a male, because he's, he's been wonderful through this whole thing, was that everything that had to get done in the nursing home, making sure my mother was taken care of, um, I called and spoke to the head nurse, and everyone knew me um, and made sure did her teeth get clean, was the podiatrist here, et cetera. How she, you know, I, everything was being handled on a phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, and we were very fortunate to get her into a wonderful, wonderful, caring, loving nursing home. So, but before that, when she was at home, um, there was an, an episode where um, the medics called me. It was the first time my mother never wandered, but she went out uh, and sat on the stoop where she lived in Florida, where she lived for over 20 years. And instead of like a neighbor calling and bringing her back in her home, they called. Mm-hmm. I think the fire department or police and who went to her home and called me. You know, so things like that were on my, and I couldn't just jump in a car. Um, or mm-hmm. if she had a UTI the first time, you know, it was, there were things, or I heard she fell. There were moments like that of really hard being a long-distance caregiver. I bet. And and for those of you that don't know, a UTI is a urinary tract infection or like a bladder infection. But um, with a person with dementia, they can cause just really bizarre um, symptoms and stuff and sometimes hard to hard to diagnose. Um, you know, how... Hallucination, how, hallucinations? A UTI? Yeah. I mean, I think that's something, yeah, I mean, hallucinations, you don't know what's happening with, with them. Um, very scary uh, the first time until, and the, 
Yeah, it's really important for people to understand that what can happen on, with a urinary tract infection. Um, yeah. It's amazing yeah. how how drastically their personalities change. Yeah, the first time my mom had one, I thought she was um, overdosed. I, I mean, I thought they were just giving her way too much medication. She couldn't hold her head up. Her eyes were rolling back in her head. Everything, and I was mm-hmm. I was so angry. And I'm like, what are you giving her? And they're like, oh, I'm sure it's a UTI. And I'm like, you know, no way. No way could that be, you know, a UTI. And sure enough, it was. And I was shocked. Yeah. We we got used to the symptoms before. Um, So I would call my mother as a long-distance caregiver, which I... When she was healthy, I called her maybe once a week only to hear her tell me, not tell me, why aren't you calling? You never call me. But after Mm -hmm. she got ill, I called her every single day. And the interesting thing was when she became so chatty and wouldn't stop talking, I would say to the caregivers, get her urine tested. I feel she's getting a UTI. And that was like Mm -hmm. it came for us a signal that it was happening, and 99 and 9 tenths of the time, it ended up being that, and we threw her on an antibiotic. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. So so even as a long-distance caregiver, emotionally, I mean, like, I missed her. I wanted to see her. I wanted to mm-hmm. see her. You know, mm-hmm. she was still at home. She was still a lot more um, aware of everything. So... And then the, what's the good part of it is not – this is hard to say, but I'm going to say it. People that are caregivers and see their loved one every day in this condition is got to be very, very difficult. You know, I could hang up the phone and, and – Go on with my life, but when it's when it's there in front of you all the time, it's got to be heart heart wrenching. Mhm. Yeah, so. I, and I think everyone everyone deals with a little bit different. You know, I for me, I found so much joy in being with her that I, I didn't go down that path, and that she taught me so much. But not everybody yeah. gets to that space. Um, you know, to be able to do that. Um, Lisa, I wanted to ask you about your your change in your relationship with your mom. You know, you said growing up was tough and, and you kind of um, saw a different woman. How how did that transform and was that like a like a just one day a, a light switch went off and she changed and you recognized it or was it something that happened slowly over time? And and maybe you could give us some examples. Okay. I have a really close friend who I wanted mm-hmm. her mother to be my mother. And she actually mm-hmm. said to me one day, maybe after my relationship with my mother, I felt totally uh, changed, um, mm-hmm. that maybe my mother was always like that, this wonderful Buddhist person. Um, mm-hmm. and I didn't, And I just wasn't willing to look at it which I always thought mm-hmm. was kind of interesting. Um, the, I just, I, do, I don't think anything happened other than because she, it all happened when she got diagnosed with uh, Alzheimer's that I then started to call her every single day, and it was phone calls that I started to, like, write down what she said because I really felt like I was talking to somebody, someone who's like a philosophy major. I mean, Mm -hmm. there was this whole outlook of life that she would share with me that I don't remember her being like that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yes, it it was amazing. She she would my husband I would my husband would come home and I'd say you wouldn't believe what my mother said. Oh my it was like always I can't believe it. It was like these words of wisdom that came out of her mouth. Um there was a love and a joy and you know you asked me for an example and I remember saying to my mother um 
because like I would interview her. So, so Ma, but I remember asking her, Ma, is it is it when well, she'd say to me like I don't remember something, and I'd say to her, but do you remember how much I love you? And she would say, of course I do, but I would then ask, what is it like not to remember something? And my mm-hmm. mother's answer to me consistently, because she wouldn't remember that I always asked her that, right, was mm-hmm. always whatever, even though I can't remember, whatever I know I did yesterday had to be lovely. Mm-hmm. So I did not see my mother that way, not that she was a complainer and would, it's not that she would say my day wasn't nice or I'm miserable. I never heard that out of her. But the other flip side of the coin of hearing her come from joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and she really got into always saying the most important thing is that my children are happy and healthy. And, and, and I know that she always felt that as a parent. That's as a parent, we all want that for our children. But but she would vocalize it. Mm-hmm. Wow, interesting. Now you have um, written two two books. The first was My Mom, My Hero, um, which was a number one Amazon bestseller in the memoirs category, and. Um, you have now written a second book called um, Letter to My Mother or to My Mom. And what what made you decide to write a second book, Lisa? Um, well, the first book ended in 2012. I took it mm-hmm. up to there. Um, I have a blog that a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people read. Um, internationally, I have a lot of followers on that, and I would get a lot of questions of where is your mother at? Or people would send me messages, emails. Mm-hmm. Where is your mother now? What's going on with your mother? How's your mother? Mm-hmm. So I also was so that that was that was really the reason I did the second book. Um, mm-hmm. Was and it is my last and final book. Um, mm-hmm. Was because even where I end in this book, my feelings about my mother have shifted a little. Mm-hmm. Um, but I put the second book together um, and have gotten a lot of responses on that, um, which was dealing. The first book is is really a lot of my conversations with my mother and things mm-hmm. my mother said. In book two, there's very little. It's like it starts off pretty much when we decide she has to be in a nursing home and as she is uh, disappearing more and more. And my feelings, I think the first one, also I came for myself. Um, more of my cup is half full and so grateful and thankful about my relationship and having my mother, no matter what's going on, no matter what she doesn't remember, where my second book dives more into my feelings and my wishes um, after putting her in a nursing home and, and dealing with putting her in a nursing home, uh, mm-hmm. the guilt, and, and but what would be best for her. And like I said, because we were very fortunate to find a wonderful facility for her because I'm sure, Laura, you've heard from people that that's not always the case. Yeah. Well, that that guilt is tough. uh, You know, I always told my mom we wouldn't put her in a nursing home, but then actually my mom was the one who decided she wanted to move into the nursing home because my dad ended up um, having to live there, um, took a, a fall and just you know, that was really the beginning of the end for him. And so that transition made it a little bit easier for us as a family because she one day was just so clear and it's it's amazing with this disease how they how they can become and have such rich, rich clarity at moments and she just said, you know, I don't um we've been together forty nine and a half years and I'm not leaving him now. I'll never forget those words. 
And so we made that work for her, but it also had to work for us as a family in terms of, you know, the nursing home wanted to put her right in with that. And I said, no, she doesn't have to watch him die or we'll lose them both, you know. Right. And and so um, and that kind of threw me for a loop too. That as a family member, it, it really, right upon admit, you know, admission, I had to be a strong advocate and fight. No, she needs to be on this floor where it's more social, and she has to have one activity and one meal every day, so she's acclimated. And the rest of the time, I'll bring her up to dad. But it was it was um, it opened my eyes that I had to be the one to say that you know, mm-hmm. uh, in the in the process. So so we were lucky as a family in terms of that guilt, but I hear that from so many people. You know, what a difficult, difficult move that is to make because you make these promises um when people aren't at the same um ability as when the, when they need to be placed and it really is the best I, you know I don't know if you really want to get into what I'm going to say right now, but so there's two mm-hmm. things. So so the first book was stirred on about so many people writing me all the time and like saying they like I'm how they are learning from things that I said about what they're going through with their parents. The mm-hmm. second book is that a lot of people have reached out to me and thanked me for what I have said that they have never said, but it's exactly how they are feeling. And the mm-hmm. part of the discussion that I said was was given where you just said about, you know, you you you're promised your mother you never want to put in a nursing home, but then she said she thought it was best for her. Mm-hmm. So my mother never wanted to be in a nursing home. But the step further that I was going to say, I have one child, and I had said to my son, because I, I happen to believe in death with dignity, um, and I'm a little involved with that, although in New York it's mm-hmm. called choice of life. Um, and if someone believes in that, and if you live in a, a state in America that ha- that has legalized that in the seven states, they don't recognize that you're dying from Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't get assisted uh, assisted. What's it called? Um, I'm blanking on the word. It's like assisted suicide. Are you talking? Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. So I have asked my son. We we have sat and and saying since my mother has I hope I never get the disease, um, mm-hmm. but my mother's younger brother passed away rather quickly from Alzheimer's. Is mm-hmm. I have asked my son, my husband knows, like to take me out of the United States. Now, will they ever do it or live to my wishes? I don't know, mm-hmm. but to because of of how I feel about quality of life at certain points. Mhm. Yeah, and everybody, you know, everybody feels different on that. And um I remember doing we did a 2-hour show um years back on that and it was very interesting because um, I listened I tuned into that. Yes, it was. Yeah, cuz we had people with dementia, we had mm-hmm. um different care partners, we had a doctor, we had a, all just a, it was a real diverse group and I'll never forget at the very end they asked me, well, Lori, what would you do? And I remember my answer was this. I'm a girl who wants choice, and so I'm for that. I'm for choice. Um, but I could honestly say I wouldn't have given up a moment with my mom in 30 years. I just, I wouldn't. I just, I learned so much from her. And, and so then in that, and again, that was really my answer. I just left it there, and to this day, that's really where it's at, because I don't think, Anybody really knows until they're in those shoes. Um, and some people will have a um, religious beliefs will guide them, um, and and that's I think that's fine. But I think we have to not learn to not judge um, others' decisions. That people are trying to make the best possible decisions for 
their life, their lifestyle, their family and friends. And um, I, I'll never forget um, Dina Dotson who took that choice. And she, you know, it was actually the way she did it was such a beautiful example because she mm-hmm. she told all of her, you know, she discussed it with her family and she brought in, um, or I should say people came into her life, her friends, her family, like three months prior. And mm-hmm. she was so happy. She was just beaming. She got to connect and she got to say goodbye. And, you know, there's there's beauty in that, too. And I think we have to be respectful of of choice. Uh, whatever. Uh, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So last year, so I I get as a long distance caregiver, but but things in my life have shifted. So the last four years, I was able to spend. Uh, uh, my husband put all his vacation. I work from home on my own. I'm mm-hmm. self-employed. So my husband put all his vacation time in. We have spent four weeks with my mother in Florida which became mm-hmm. so much more meaningful than these quick trips because I, you, I would, you know, her, even though the aides and my brother visited her once a week now, he used to go more often, um, but as the disease, disease has progressed and he has his emotions that she doesn't know who he is, but, you know, he, mm-hmm. she calls him this, whatever, his own feelings, I respect that. So I get to spend quality time with her when I see how things you know, when you when I saw her every single day, how she um, became there were some off days or moments, whatever, but became more uh, aware, um, mm-hmm. alive. I saw the joy with her singing, um, and it was very special. But last year, I went there, and after I was there for day two, my mother became so ill that um, we were really sure it was the end, and mm-hmm. they put her on hospice, and she pulled through, um, but pulled through, but the disease really uh, progressed onward. I mean, she speaks a little. She can't walk mm-hmm. anymore. She's now con- She was in this Mary Walker. She's confined uh-huh. in a wheelchair. Um, once in a while, I mean, anything she says really doesn't make sense, but it makes sense if she talks to you. There's, there is no more with the music. Her eyes are closed, and I see a tap her feet a little. But the one beautiful thing that I have is is the the hand holding, the touch, mm-hmm. the 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 what you feel within that. But I am again saying something now is so when. She was like that for the month before I knew she was going to pull through. And I'm not a religious person, but I do believe in God, and I did pray to God every day that she would just go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So this year, which was good for me, is that I stopped praying, and it is what it is, and there's nothing I can do. Um, as mm-hmm. long as she, you know, as long as I feel in my heart that she's not in pain and suffering, um, when it's her time, it'll be her time. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of emotions for me um, with that, uh, different kind of emotions. Oh, sure, sure. That's, um, and there's so many emotions on this journey, you know, so many twists and turns and um, there's, you know, what they call ambiguous loss where we where we go through multiple types of losses. But then, like you found, there were there were so many gains and joys through the process as well. Wonderful. And, yep. And I think so often people don't don't talk about the good things that can happen um, with our relationships and with our lives during this was there like one or two um like life lessons that your mom taught you about life through this journey well i think i i think i said it was like you know you just you just want your children to be healthy and happy and and that's all that's really important so i i think that's probably the biggest life journey um mm-hmm. the yeah I really, that's probably it. The, the other thing, you know, I'm going to just go back for a second about long-distance caregiver, but even if you're 
someone that isn't lives in the same town with your parent or whoever um, loved one is mm-hmm. I I cherish watching and 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 they really make me smile and laugh. Um, I have videos that I've taken of my mother even this year where she's where she's much further along with the disease where you capture a few moments of such sweetness and such innocence and 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 a giggle you know it it, it comes through like the other times her eyes are closed and, and but being able to capture being lucky enough to capture something on video um and I go back a few years ago and watched I just love them so as a long distance caregiver for me I mean for anyone they should try to capture some wonderful moments with their loved one while they can um, I love watching these um, I love watching her spirit her her joie de lit of life which sounds kind of crazy that I didn't see when she was healthy Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I I get that. I have several videos of my mom on YouTube too. And when I'm having a really bad day, um, mm-hmm. that is that's where I go, you know, to um, to just kind of find some peace. Um, because she, I look at her and I see the simplicity in in the world that she lives in now, and I see I see things I think I probably didn't. I didn't find before I was I was moving too fast I was too busy like when you even said the the word giggle it just there was just my heart just kind of got soft and I could mm-hmm. hear my mom giggle and mm-hmm. and how how much happiness that that gives me um you know to be able to see the glint in her eyes or you know when she was nonverbal her her toes or her hands tapping to the music she was still mm-hmm engaged on a very um kind of minute level in compared to you know the rest of the busy world but but in a more i think powerful level too she's she's more connected to the world is is a feeling in the sense that i always got was that their their connection to um simplicity and beauty was seemed richer and that they were teaching us that yeah, that's interesting. The connection, what you're saying with the connection with the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's things that we don't know about the disease because they can't tell us. But what yep. really goes on? Yeah. But I, I thought when when I said you said I said giggle and then you just brought up giggle and so in March where in between so I had this really cute little video of her and we caught her one day. You know we. And the nurse, I call and I speak to the nurses still all the time, and I say, please tell my mom, her daughter Lisa from New York, I'm trying to have her recall, sends her love, and they always tell me they will, whether they, I think they do, but whether they do or they don't, it makes me feel better. But so mm-hmm. I'm, we, so I, and they've told me before, oh, your mom, she's chatty Ruthie today. She doesn't stop talking. We don't understand what she's saying, but she just keeps talking. So we caught her a few times. We caught her a few times like that, and this one time she's going on and on, and I have this on a video, so this was in March, and she's going on and on about some guy, and I'm, and the whole time she never did say that my name, which she normally mm-hmm. does, or, or connect that I was her daughter, but I know that she knows that. I know that mm-hmm. she knows that. I know there's a voice, there's a touch, there's... I know she knows. So I keep interrupting her on the video. Ma, I'm your daughter, Lisa. So fine. She just is talking. She couldn't care less. <laughs> She's telling her story. <laughs> she couldn't care who was sitting there. <laughs> and, 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 I'm, and She's in the wheelchair. I'm sitting on her bed. And then, and then all of a sudden she turns to me. I go, and one time she connects, she, I say, she says, Really? I, this, I, Ma, I'm your daughter, Lisa. Really? And she puts a big smile on her face, and then she goes back talking about some guy. <laughs> but but, but it, there is still, you'd still, I still can get those moments. Is is? <laughs> My brother mm. just sent me a video of her with me, and and uh, it was really cute too. And then when they ask her in the video, "What's your daughter's name?" and she goes, "Lisa." 
but the whole time I'm there, <laughs> she never, but 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 I still can get a joy out of it. Yeah. So that's good. And a giggle. <laughs> well, and you know, she. It, it, sometimes it can be that they don't recognize us because we're grown up and they're back in time looking yes. for a little Lisa. Yes. Yep. You know, exactly. and so mm-hmm. you know, it's it's interesting that whole name thing. I know can be so painful for people. I know what really was for um, my older brother, especially, just had had a hard time understanding how she how she could forget him after fifty years and. You know, I, I remember telling him, you know, Mark, she's not, sh- she's in a different space in time. It's before she was married and so before she had kids and she's calling mm-hmm. you Chuck, which is her brother who she loves, mm-hmm. you know, and so you are, you are safe and, and a loved person to her. And, you know, if you go look in the mirror, you look just like Chuck when he was younger. So it makes perfect sense. But with my mother, if my mother says I'm her mother, uh-huh. or I mean, I I take it as a compliment in the sense of it's someone that she loved and adored, so it's okay. Yep. Yeah. My I mean, mom they mix up their words. Me. Yeah. Yeah. No, my mom. It was your brother that was her. upset, right? You said it was your mm-hmm. brother. So yep. so one time it's kind of crazy because we go through our own emotions, and my brother was taking me to the airport, and I was like very upset, like. I got. I said to you, I get upset when I see my mother, and then I get upset when I'm leaving my mother. Like when I'm seeing her, I'm going through all these emotions. What's she going to be like? Is she going to know me? But and when I'm leaving, I don't want to leave her. So he's taking me to the airport when I go for trips in between, and I share with him like it, it's so hard sometimes being with mommy, and it, mm-hmm. it hurts when she, you know, like doesn't like recognize who I am. And he mm-hmm. turns, you know, in the car, he's driving, and he says to me, that's why I don't go there as frequently now. It really upsets me. And mm-hmm. his wife told me. So it's like I looked at him like I never took his feelings into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just never thought, what is he going through? It wasn't that I didn't know. I knew he had feelings, but his wife told me that he tells her that my mother, he could, he knows that my mother's angry at him. And that's why she, she, whatever. So we all children with a parent go through things. And I yeah. used to think my mother favored my brother when we were growing up. I was daddy's little girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> and mother's supposed to be closer with their sons. I don't know. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny, our perceptions of things and, and how they can change. With uh, with the times and stuff, well, I can't believe. Gosh, we only have about ten minutes left here. What What do you really want for for your mom in the time ahead? A year ago, I would tell you for her to go to sleep. Um, what do I really, really want for her? I was gonna say for her to be happy. You know, um, for her to have peace. And mm-hmm. not suffer. Mhm. Yeah. 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 That's I and and I think that's something that you know we should look at for everyone. For me, it was um, you know I came up with my memory chip: is she safe? Is she happy? Is she pain free? And those were kind of my my three goals because I was mm-hmm. getting into my checklist stuff a little bit too bad. Um, mm-hmm. Why and then in in ramping up, why do you think some mothers and daughters have strained relationships? Because it is very common for people. See, as you say it, I don't want to really believe that, but I know it is. Um, mm-hmm. Because see, I look on the other side. Look at all these mothers and daughters that are so close. Um, may, you know, with a, with a child, with a brother or sister, we'd say civil rivalry. Um, mm-hmm. With a mother and a daughter, maybe what I said was, I mean, nothing is true, everything is generalization, but I've always heard that mothers are closer to sons and and daughters are closer to fathers. Mm-hmm. If that is true, then maybe somewhere there. In my particular case, I thought my mother might have been a little jealous of my relationship with my father mm-hmm. because 
I remember her friends saying, oh, when Lisa walks in the room, Artie, my father's name was Artie, Arthur, Artie's mm-hmm. face lights up. Um, I don't know. I, I, so somewhere, somewhere, what would it be if it's with children's, uh, you know, a civil rivalry, what a sibling rivalry, what could there be that? I mean, yeah, maybe that's I, what it is. Yeah, I, well, I know when, um, after I graduated high school, I got closer to my dad. Um, and so he and I would like go out for lunch and and my mom was working and my mom got so jealous. So every time I went out to lunch with my dad, I had to go out to dinner with my mom. Huh. And it was, it okay. was, it was really interesting. There was this competition. And up until that point, I mean, my mom and I had always, you know, had a really close relationship and, um, and I, and I thought I did with my dad, but my mom's my bond with my mom was even stronger, but there was this, this jealousy that occurred, um, or, or that's how I would label it, you know, and um, and so I just tried to make sure that things were even because I really enjoyed getting to know my dad, you know, on that level as, as well mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. that. Now, I do want to make sure that, that people are able to um, find your books. They're on Amazon. And uh, again, the title, um, your newest book here is uh, To My Mom, My Hero, and um, and then let you also have... Yeah, Let It mm-hmm. To My Mom. Yep. And um, and then My Mom, My Hero is your, is your other book. And you can get those in a package deal or you can buy them separately there. If you pull up either one, if you just pull down a little... Um, a little bit on your screen, you'll see that you can get a package deal with the two, two of the books there, and would really encourage you to um, to check that out. And also, you know, go to Lisa's blog, um, which is mommyheroblogspot.com. Mommyheroblog, or um, I'm sorry, mommyhero.blogspot.com. And um, uh, check check out some of her writings. I, I think you will. I know that you have always been really good at responding to every comment, and I know that every you get a comment, lot of interaction. Every comment. Yep. But, but I want to check real quickly that that for me, it's it's a commitment to myself, knowing if I can make any difference or have anyone share whatever's going on in their life, that's all that matters to me because we, I, we are all in this together. Yeah. Well, it, it, um, it's so healing when you can share. You know, I still get people who um, will comment on, on some of my stuff or people will submit poetry, and I'm just amazed at how people love to read, especially poetry. Um, and how much it gets shared. I think because mm-hmm. people know that piece is really, really heartfelt. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the the information that we can learn from one another, what worked, what didn't work, what feelings to expect, um, how to cope, um, how to find support, all of those things, you know, you can get online. Um, because sometimes it's hard if you're... If you're a full-time um, person caring for a loved one, a lot of times you can't leave your home, and people, and it's a way to be able to get arrested and to better understand the disease on a on a broader picture, and to inspire you to look at it a little bit different or or try different techniques. Uh, we all have so so much to share. Anything that you'd like to to say in wrapping up to our audience, Lisa? Um. Well, I think I I think I said is that that everyone out there like we're not not to feel alone. We are we're all in this together, and I think there's a lot a lot of support um, on the I hate to say Facebook, but um, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of groups out there. Um, a lot of I mean, when I read what people write me or write comments on to other things that people share is that we we need each other to be able to support each other in whatever we're going through. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And there's a lot of wonderful groups. I, I just am amazed at how many have popped up 
and how many like subgroups and things that there are, like Harry Urban's group uh, with the Forget Me Nots. Um, and in memory, people out there, you know, have all these different subgroups of resources, and they do game nights, and they have dinner together. And Harry puts together a cookbook, you know, once a year from he's amazing, the members. Harry. He he inspires it, me. Amazing. I know, I know. And he, you know, heard from you know a Hispanic population that they wanted to belong to the group but they couldn't understand and here he's like well we'll find a translation bar we'll fix that fabulous you know fabulous. and now he's and now he's hooked up with italy and doing work with them and you know harry urban has been living with dementia for 12 years now and mm-hmm. he is just a, a great great advocate like so many others out there um giving voice and and helping us see what what it looks like to live gracefully with the disease. Yes, he does. Oh my god, he's amazing. Yeah. Have you have you ever met Harry in person? No, not in person. Nope. Oh. Through, well, maybe on a podcast with someone when there was mm-hmm. pictures, I think. Um uh-huh. but not not literally in person. No. But yeah. we, we converse we converse a little so I I tell him all the time how much he inspires me. Yeah, he's he's. I, I've had the pleasure to meet him a couple of times. He was on the cruise, and then he came out. I was going to say you went on the cruise, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. We went on our dementia-friendly cruise, and and the but the one thing that everybody says when they meet Harry is they're shocked at how tall he is. You know, because we always is virtually, yeah, virtually we see him sitting in a chair, and yeah. they don't know how tall he is. How yeah, tall he's a tall is guy. He? Oh, I I bet he I bet he's probably six six one, maybe wow. even six two. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I, I I could be wrong, but that would be that would be my guess. Yeah. There, so. <laughs> I know it's just kind of funny. Well, in wrapping up, I'm going to give a shout out to a couple other organizations: the American Senior Magazine, which is a wonderful, wonderful magazine. They are a lifestyle magazine for seniors with topics ranging from nostalgia, health, and wellness. Um, they do interviews and spotlight older, uh, notable Americans. Um, calendar Cards, which is a memory system, and um, you can go to Calendar Cards. It's just it's instead of C, um, you put in a K for calendar and cards. They both start with a K. And um, you can also find uh, more information about them if you go to MemoryCafeDirectory.com, MemoryCafeDirectory.com, because they have organized this lovely, lovely um, directory of memory cafes for the U.S. They sponsor that. And if you have a memory cafe you want put in, Dave won't charge you. He'll just help you get it up and running. If you are looking for one, you know, within any of the states, it's very easy to use. So check that out. And then I always like to give a shout out to the Purple Table Reservation. We are just hoping and praying that more um, more restaurants come on board because uh, she's got a great um, training system all set up so people with dementia can be out in the community and maybe sit in a area of a restaurant where it's a little quieter, have a staff uh, and wait staff who is um, trained in terms of um, weeding down choices. You know, I mean, I can't even remember half the time the all the types of uh, dressings that are available, <laughs> you know, when you go out yeah. there or they start viewing, you know, all the different uh, beverages available. And so they, they weed that down a little bit more. And you can go to purpletables.com to find out more information there. And last, I will just shout out to the Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation that takes a holistic approach um, to dementia. So they look at um, diet and exercise, and um, they've got a great meditation and and so forth. So with that, we'll go ahead and close. And again, um, please uh, check out Lisa Hirsch. Go, Go to her blog. Uh, mommyhero.blogspot.com mommyhero.blogspot.com or go to um, Amazon and you can just Google Lisa Hirsch or or her books or there's a link right on the radio show or the blog 
um, with that information. Thank you so much, Lisa, for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you. I love you, Lori. You're wonderful. Okay. Love you, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Talk soon, everyone. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire. Become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.